Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Many churches around the country will be having their annual meetings sometime this month. We will be having ours next Sunday. Annual meetings are a legal necessity, if you will, meeting the requirements of our ministry as a nonprofit and the parameters of what it means to be a parish in the Episcopal Church. The technical purpose of an annual meeting is to gather the leadership and the stakeholders and to do the business of the church, looking back and looking forward and making the decisions that we need to as a whole. And while those are all true and good reasons to gather, I think that there might be an equally important and maybe a little more exciting reason to gather as well. I believe that it's a time to remember and to celebrate who we are called to be when we are called the body of Christ. I want to suggest this morning that at least part of that hefty moniker might also be heard as a clarion call to the phrase that we have become familiar with here at Trinity, becoming beloved community. Beloved community was a phrase that was first used by philosopher and theologian Hosea Royce in the late 20th century and was then integrated into the foundational message and ministry of Martin Luther King Jr. Beloved community is a vision seeking an end to poverty and homelessness and hunger, a dream of a time when racism and discrimination of all kinds are no more, a preferred future replacing bigotry and prejudice with an ethic of mutuality and relational integrity and deep trust. Beloved community works towards peace and justice for all through the work of reconciliation and cultivating a spirit of respect and inclusivity. Since 2014, the Episcopal Church worldwide has embraced a long-term commitment called Becoming Beloved Community. This church-wide effort focuses specifically on racial healing, reconciliation, and justice. It is an approach and a vision and a strategy that we have embraced here at Trinity over the past couple of years. We have read and studied books, we have heard sermon series, and we've offered life-changing programs, specifically the program called Sacred Ground. We are indeed learning together how to become beloved community. Approached in this way, I see this time of annual meetings as an opportunity to reconsider what I hear as a very radical, countercultural, transformational, simply mind-blowing reminder about the new humanity that we are offered as followers of the way of love. To do that, I want to listen again this morning to the words we just heard from 1 Corinthians, in which Paul is writing to the new community of faith in Corinth, trying to help them through a rough patch. I suspect that they had good intentions, but at this point, they are truly acting like anything but beloved community. 
Here is what scholars seem to think is happening at the time that we meet them today. Paul, full of energy and spirit, went on a number of missionary trips some 15 to 20 years after the resurrection appearances of Jesus, sharing all that he felt during after his conversion. We believe that he spent about two years starting this church in Corinth, and then he left and went to go plant another church. And then perhaps it was maybe three or four years later that he started hearing some rumblings, some reports of problems at the church in Corinth, and thus started writing to them to clarify, perhaps admonish them a little bit for forgetting their path, and at times with the all with the intent of trying to help them get back on track to becoming beloved community. And at that time, the time that they get the letter from him, they are deeply struggling. They had heard and embraced the message of Paul while he was with them, but now there's something lacking. Now they are not at peace with one another. Originally, they got it. They got the message. They loved the message. They probably changed many things in their lives in order to reorient themselves to being new followers of the way. They worked hard to undo the cultural norms of division and power and started walking together as a new community, a beloved community with a new common purpose. But then they start having problems and they slip into old patterns and practices. So by the time Paul hears about this, they have returned to relegating some people to the back of the bus. They have forgotten Paul's teaching about being born again as siblings united in a common purpose, and the call to treat each other with love and dignity and respect. It wouldn't surprise me to hear that they were having a lot of what we often describe as parking lot meetings, you know the ones, back in the day, B.C., before COVID, when we'd leave the church building after a meeting and somehow end up at a car and start talking to someone else. And somehow at that moment, we start sharing what we really thought should have been said at the meeting, those kind of meetings. In any case, this is a community of new believers, and they are wrestling with the idea of what it means to break from the patterns that they are used to. They are now going back to the old patterns of ranking and judging and adhering to very clear systems of social stratification. So this part of Paul's letter that we hear this morning is trying to remind them, and maybe us as well, what they seem to have forgotten, or maybe we're just getting too tired of trying to do together. He needs them to remember this is a new day a new way. So he begins with a reference to baptism as the new start for their life together in beloved community. The new promise, the new way of creating freedom and equality and unity with diversity in their relationships one to another. He writes this, just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And then he ends the lesson by saying this, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So this is a long way of me saying that I see this time of annual meetings as both 
and yes, they are all about the pragmatic and transformational work that we are called to do as a ministry, and they are also a good time to better understand and maybe even recommit to what it means for us to take on that moniker of claiming to be the beloved community as the body of Christ. When Paul uses the phrase, the body of Christ, he is leveraging a very common metaphor used widely at the time. The use of the body as a metaphor to understand the importance of how members of a community have different functions but all need to work together was not uncommon. Both Aristotle and Plato used this metaphor widely in their philosophical writings. What was unique was moving beyond just a metaphor for corporate identity by clearly naming the body of Christ. With that change, we now move from an organizational teaching tool to a more emphatic statement about the nature of identity. In other words, Paul's claim, it seems to me, to be the precursor of becoming beloved community in as much as we are being called to follow and emulate the teachings and passion and ministry and witness of Jesus. Jesus, a poor Jewish man living under Roman occupation, fully identified with the least, the lost, the marginalized, the voiceless, those who had no power or privilege. Jesus, a brown-skinned refugee, born to an unwed teenage mother, spent his days teaching and serving and healing others, as well as rejecting injustice and subverting social structures of domination. So by naming the collective body of the church, the body of Christ, Paul is ushering a call for all believers in Corinth to follow and then even do their best to imitate Jesus in all these ways as well. I mentioned this was radical, right? Now, fortunately for us, at least for now, I don't think that our, we have a community that is having too many parking lot conversations, figuratively or literally. But we always have an opportunity to think about issues of identity. We are working hard on becoming beloved community here. What I pray for as we continue to live out the good news of God's love in our lives and in the world is that each time we gather, each time we gather, we are asking ourselves, how are we imitating Christ in our lives? How do we, in word and action, bring good news to the poor? How do we, in word and action, proclaim relief to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind? How do we, in word and action, proclaim the gospel and promote justice, peace, and love? We live still in a fearful, divided, and anxious world, filled with far too many people who are still hungry and oppressed and wounded and hopeless. May our annual meeting next week and every time we meet reflect the love we received as followers of the way as we continue as the body of Christ, becoming evermore the beloved community. May it be so.